Bibles, I want to first start at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12. And, and in doing so, I want to uh, add just kind of in, in some preface remarks what, what happened this morning. If you were not here this morning or you were down with our children, uh, I encourage you to go get on the website, the app, uh, and listen to this morning's service because it's part one. And, and it's, we're gonna, well, this morning we talked about the peace with God, that God and I are at peace or should be. And then tonight I want to talk about peace with man and with self, peace with those around you and peace with your own life. And it, it came out of study and, and things that I were getting ready for uh, the, the memorial service for Grandma Sillo. And I do want to say on behalf of my mother-in-law and my behalf of my wife, uh, they want me to tell you, and, and, and I concur, thank you so much for the support that you showed them in the loss of, of Sister Michelle's mother and my wife's grandmother, all of the food, the cards, the calls, the texts, uh, even those that were involved in the in the funeral or dinner afterwards. Thank you so much. You, I, I know some of you have walked that same road, and you know what it means, what it feels like. Well, it meant so much uh, to Sister Michelle and to my wife. Thank you. I appreciate that very, very much. But I I was was getting ready for that, and and the the. One of the obvious directions, if you're going to preach a funeral, is to talk about God's peace, the peace that passeth all understanding. And I was sitting in a, a tree stand, and I was just kind of meditating, let God talk, and God began to deal with me, and God kind of said, you know, my peace is far more than just peace when someone loses a loved one. And it began to, to build out, and that's why this morning he said, first, I want to remind you, you've got to have peace with God. If you don't have peace with God, nothing else is going to be peaceful in your life. You might, be, you might be content, you may be able to handle it, but you don't have true peace if you don't have peace with God. I'll just promise you that. But uh, he said there was three things. You have to have peace with God. You have to have peace with those around you. And you have to have peace with yourself. And tonight I want to talk about those, those last two. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12 says this, Therefore lift up your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. And here's the key. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness which, with, which, without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled and I, I want to take that verse and we're going we're gonna to build off of that we're going to launch off of that we're going to go a lot of different places but just hang with me for a little bit why don't you pray that God's word would speak to your life Jesus we've worshipped you we've given you that honor and that we've, we've done everything we can do to bless you but Lord now the sermon is for us we need your word to speak to us and I ask that you would incline your ear and your voice downwards and let the word of God that has been printed, that is alive and well, would you let it go forth and fall on ears that are ready to hear it, hearts that are prepared to receive it. And God, we want to not be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word as well. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. It is a little funny to talk about inner peace. It seems a bit new ageish, if you will, you know. Uh, inner peace, inner peace. My therapist told me the best way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what you start. I thought it was a good idea, so I finished two bags of chips and a chocolate cake and felt better already. 
<laughs> That's not really true, just in case you were wondering. I'm not trying to be a liar. I'm just trying to inject a little humor in it. The story of Peter, and I, I really don't want to spend a lot of time. I spent a lot more this morning on the story of Peter, so you're going to have to go listen to it or remember it. But Peter, in the story of Peter, kind of illustrates these three elements, these three places that we need peace. Again, can you imagine uh, when Peter denied the Lord three times and the rooster began to crow and Peter's guilt and shame and, and he realized, I'm not at peace with God anymore. I mean, I just denied the Savior. And Peter didn't know Jesus was going to come back from the dead. And so Peter probably thought, I've, I, 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 I squandered my last chance. The, the regret, the, the shame, the condemnation was upon him. And just a little brief thing from this morning, the beautifulness of that is God said, when, when, when he, he told, uh, an angel told Mary and, and, and the other Marys that came to the tomb when, when he had resurrected, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter, I'm going before them to Galilee. And so the whole point of that was Jesus wanted to tell Peter, I know what you've done. I know we're at odds right now. I know there's a gulf between us, but I've done fix the gulf, and I want to give you true peace. And if you'll meet me at Galilee, we can get together. And so we, we preach that message. I don't want to re-preach it. But you also have to realize, although that story is fleshed out good, you, you, you see the good ending, but, but there's two other things. You have to realize that Peter hated himself. The Bible says he went out and he wept bitterly. He, he knew what he had done, and, and there was conflict in his own life. More than just the conflict of, of guilt and shame because of sin, but sometimes we get to the place, and I'm not trying to be psychoanalyst on you, but sometimes we get to the place where we don't even like ourselves. We don't even like who we are and what we've done, and, and, and there's no peace even within us. Uh, one of the greatest Things I think it was the Apostle Paul, he said this. He said, I think myself happy. Lest you think that's a backwards way of speaking, it actually is very true. you got to like yourself if you're ever going to get anything in life. You've got to get to the place where you don't always see the negative and you don't always see the bad and you don't always remember the hurt and you don't always remember the pain. Life is bad. I realize that life stinks sometimes. Can I just be brutally honest? Sometimes life is awful. Sometimes things happen to me that I wish would never have happened and people are mean and people are ignorant and, and, and I, I get all of that, but you have to come to a place where, where it's so hard for me to say it because it sounds so weird, but you got to love yourself. But the interesting thing is when you begin to work through that in the Bible, you realize you probably ought not start with loving yourself. Uh that becomes a very self-centeredness. And so I want to tell you today that finding peace within yourself does not start by patting yourself on the back and saying, oh, you're a good boy. So by the time we get done, I'm going to show you how to have peace in your own life. But in doing so, think about all of the other disciples who remembered Peter's 
braggadocious remarks. I'll never leave. I'll never forsake. I'll die for you. I, I promise I'll do all of this. And he cuts off the dude's ear that came and, and Jesus berated Peter for that. You know, and, and now Peter is running away. He's cursing and cussing and denying Jesus. I swear I don't know him and all of that. You have to imagine because the disciples were just as human as you and I are. And I'm gonna, I don't think I'm taken out of the Bible. I don't think I'm, I'm pulling too much out of context. I think human nature tells me that there were moments those disciples didn't let Peter forget in those couple of days, didn't let Peter forget, you messed up. I'm not going to ask if anybody's let you know that, but here's the question I'd ask. Have you ever not let someone else forget the mistakes they've made? All of a sudden, it gets a little closer to home. We like to think of all the bad things people have done for us until we look in the mirror and realize that we've done just as many and probably more to those. And, and so then you realize that Peter did not have peace with those around him. And so the writer of Hebrews says, strive for peace, work for peace, pursue peace with everyone. And then he gives this weird thing that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble that by many it may be defiled. Uh, if I could, I, I want to I take you, and I'm going to do it fairly quickly, but I want to take you on a journey to maybe let you understand the root of bitterness a little bit more. Uh, I read an incredible article by Rick Renner. It was from a, a, a publication, January 5th, 2009, and, and it was entitled, Why Jesus Compared Unforgiveness to the Sycamine Tree. And when I began to read that, it, it resonated with me. And then uh, I, I'm just, I couldn't take just Rick's words. I went and studied it out on my own. And, and I was glad to know that Rick was right. That way I can use his article. So for the next little bit, I'm going I'm to give you a few things that he said in this article. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 5 through 6, the apostles said unto the Lord, they said this, Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have the faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be planted in the sea, that it should obey you. Now, if you've been in Sunday school for any length of time, surely there's a Sunday school teacher somewhere in your life that when they started talking about faith the size of a mustard seed, they went and got some mustard seed, and you realize it's this teeny tiny little seed, and it grows into a pretty big tree. The problem is our understanding of this verse is skewed by other things that Jesus talked about faith and the grains of mustard seed and so I want you to forget everything you've ever heard about what Jesus has said about faith the grain of a mustard seed and I want to only focus on this verse he said you have to have faith to pluck up the tree the sycamine tree pluck it by the root and, and take care of it in order to understand the teachings of Jesus you got to back up and you got to start from the beginning you ever walked into a conversation halfway through and you didn't know what they was said before and you just kind of assumed the conversation was going in this direction and then later on you realized you, you, it was not going in that direction? Jesus was not talking about faith just to talk about faith. He started in Luke chapter 17 verse 1 by saying this to his disciples. It is impossible but that offenses will come but woe unto him in whom they come. So first off he said guys let me just help you out. You're going to be offended. It is impossible for you to walk through life and never be hurt, never be ridiculed, never be offended. So I'm going to tell you right now, if you've been offended, if somebody has hurt you, if somebody has, has, has pushed or pulled the wind out of your sails, you're in good company because all of us have been there. It's impossible, but that offenses will come. 
But then Jesus flips it and he says, but if you're the one who's being the offender, woe to you. That's not get on a horse and say, woe, so it is stopped. That is a, a, a very uh, deep uh, a statement. Woe, it is awful that they would come. In fact, Jesus said it would be better if you're going to offend somebody. It would be better that you tie a big old rock, a millstone around your neck and jump into the Mississippi River and try to swim to the other side than to offend even the least in the kingdom. See, Jesus understood that offense is something that is present and we, we get into it. In fact, he says, take heed yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Hey, if somebody hurts your feelings, it is absolutely okay to say, bro, that hurt my feelings. Tell them it hurt my feelings. And if they repent, you forgive him. And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times he turns around and he says, forgive me, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the disciples said, go to the next verse, brother. brother. And the disciples said, Lord, increase my faith. It wasn't just faith, 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 just a little bit of faith, 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 faith. Just It's not a little happy faith. The, Jesus just told him, if I punch you in the face and you say that hurt and I mean I'm sorry, you're going to forgive me. And if I turn around and punch you in the face again and I repent and I say I'm sorry, you're going to forgive me. And if I do it seven times, you're going to forgive me. And the disciples said, No. And the Lord said, yes. And the disciples said this, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to help Brandon Buford and his own uh, mentality and, and, and emotions. God, I can't do this on my own. You're going to have to increase my faith. And he said, Lord smiled. He said, oh, that's good. All I need is faith, just a little size of a mustard seed. And you can say to that sycamine tree, be thou removed. The reason is, is because the Lord wanted to talk to his disciples about bitterness and unforgiveness. And you do so in the sycamine tree. Now, the sycamine tree, I really don't know why it's called that. You can search it a little bit. Uh, there's a sycamore tree in the Bible. There's a sycamine tree. Zacchaeus climbed the sycamore tree. Jesus talks about the sycamine tree. But in reality, the sycamine tree is a fig-type tree. It's a fig. Now, in some of your, your version of the Bible, it says mulberry. It's not the Missouri mulberry that looks like a little kind of a, 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 you know, a little blackberry on a tree. It's not that. It's a fig. I hope you understand what a fig looks like. It's a fig tree. In Louisiana, we have fig trees everywhere, and, 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 and my grandmother used to make the best fig preserves you could ever have, and, and, and it's a fig tree. But this sycamine tree is a little bit different. First off, in, in the, 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 the understanding of, of the, the structure of this tree, it had a very, very deep and large root structure. And, and this, again, some of the things that I'm going to tell you, these points I'm going to tell you, they come from Rick Renner's article. He began to study it, and then I began to study it, and it's right. The sycamine tree had one of the largest and deepest root structures of all the trees there in the Middle East. It grew to a height of 30 feet or more, and the roots went deep into the earth. And that meant when a drought came, it didn't die because its roots were deep. And, and, and when the cold came, it didn't necessarily die because its roots were deep. You could even cut the tree down, and that didn't necessarily kill it because the roots were in the ground. It would just sprout again. 
And, and while as a tree, that's a really good thing. It's a, it's a good uh, a thing to have. But here's the problem. Jesus was using that tree to describe bitterness, the root of bitterness. That bitterness is not some little, you know, clover root that you can just reach in and pick it up and throw it away. It's more like one of them dandelion roots. If you get a good dandelion, you pull it up. Dandelion's only three inches tall, but the root system's about 12 inches tall. You ever tried to pull up something and, and, and it didn't look very big, but the more you pulled, the deeper the roots got, and, and, and sometimes you just keep pulling. And the Lord says bitterness has a way of getting into our life and it gets deep, deep, deep down and you can try to cut it off but if you don't get rid of the root it just keeps growing back and you think you can starve it out, you think you can let a drought come but that root it's deep and it keeps springing up. You gotta deal with the roots of bitterness. Bitterness and unforgiveness go deep into the human soul and it's fed by every offense that comes your way and, and, and it just keeps coming up. It keeps coming up and, and you have to make a point in your life where you just say, I'm gonna deal with it. I'm, I don't want it just cut it down when, when I feel like it and then I let it kind of grow back up. Sometimes you just gotta take whatever time it takes to get to the bottom of the things that have hurt you and rip them up and the Lord said you can do it if you just have a teeny tiny little bit of faith. Something else they said was the sycamines trees, wood, was the preferred wood to build caskets during that day. It grew quickly in almost every environment. It was accessible in all the different places. It even grew in the dry conditions. And so they built caskets and coffins out of it. And again, perhaps the Lord was looking and saying, what an illustration that the sycamine tree is so perfect for bitterness and forgiveness. It grows quick. So does bitterness. You ever watched how fast Bitterness can enter your heart. Just one little comment. Now, I'm going to tell you a funny story, but I want you to think about it in not so funny. Just one little comment. It wasn't even meant that way. I had somebody, when I first became pastor, I had somebody get really, really mad at me because I didn't visit them in the hospital. And I asked them, I said, well, I didn't even know you were in the hospital. I said, did you give me a call? Well, No. Did you call my wife? Well, no, I didn't think about that. Did you tell anybody to tell me? No. Did you put it on Facebook? No, I didn't do that. God doesn't speak in audible voices to me usually. But they got so mad at something so little that if they'd have just picked up a phone or, or had somebody tell me, we could have rectified it. But it's amazing how fast that bitterness springs up and it grows doesn't matter where you're from it doesn't matter where you live it doesn't matter cultural background it doesn't matter the level of society I don't care if you have all the money in the world or you're scraping by on minimum wage bitterness is an equal opportunity offender it grows where their little rain fell and water was sparse it's amazing how negative attitudes and bitterness can exist in a dry spiritually desiccate environment it it it, it it was a fig. See, there were, there were two types of figs. Now, uh, the, the sycamine tree, it, 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 had a fig, it was a fig tree, and then there was a, another fig tree that, that you think about when you think of fig trees. And, and it, because you and I don't think about figs, I want you to think about this. How many of you have seen a really good apple tree? 
Maybe you went to Eckert's or something and you pick them. You know, I'm talking about one of them apple trees that you go and you pick a great big old red or green apple and you eat and it's just delicious. And then how many of you have seen a crab apple tree? A crab apple tree has the same characteristics and it's in the same family as the apple trees. How many of you have eaten a crab apple? Was it good? The fig tree, the sycamine fig, and the normal fig tree was much like that. The sycamine fig tree was like a crabapple tree, if you will, and the regular fig tree was like the good apple trees. And so what happened is, even though they looked the same, even though they produced a fruit, if you will, that was kind of the same, the sycamine fruit was very bitter. It might look good to eat. It might be something you want, but when you tasted the fruit of the sycamine fig, it was horribly bitter but here's the problem the real figs were expensive they cost a lot of money and so if you wanted a fig it was cheaper to go get the sycamine tree and they would eat those but it was so bitter it could never be eaten whole and uh, it, it said that if you wanted to consume an entire sycamine fig you had to nibble on it a little bit at a time take one bite it's kind of like I, I don't know some of y'all can do it I can't do it but kind of like some of them incredibly sour candies or things like that you know I can take one lick and it's like electricity goes through my brain and and I have to let my body settle down and then I might lick it again and you know (laughs) takes me a long time some of you can chomp it down but I can't and 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 that's how it was they would return Jesus I believe was trying to tell us that bitterness is much like that it's something that you just nibble on a little bit here and there somebody offends you and so you spend a couple minutes today thinking about it and it begins to grow and then tomorrow you let it come back and you nibble on it and you never quite ever finish it it never tastes good but you you just a little bite here a little bite there reflect about it here reflect about it there and at the end you realize you were nibbling on a poisonous fruit of bitterness that makes you yourself bitter and sour And one of the most incredible things about fig trees, and really all fig trees in reality, not just the sycamine, but since we're talking about the sycamine, it works. The the sycamine and 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 there's a it has a fig has its own uh, biological status in the tree world because fig trees are not pollinated by beautiful bees and butterflies and stuff like that, but fig trees are actually pollinated by a wasp sticking its stinger in the fruit. And, and you can go you can go research it. It's kind of incredible that, that, that a fig, it, it, it actually takes on uh, some of the DNA of a wasp. And, and really a fig tree almost has a carnivorous type mentality to it. It's very interesting in the, in the taxology of it. But a, a, a wasp, in order for that fruit to, to pollinate, in order for it to grow, in order for it to make more trees, it has to be stung. Bitterness is just like that. How many times have you heard a bitter person say something along the lines of this? I've been stung by that person once. I'm never going to let them get close to me again. I'm never going to let them hurt me again. I'm never going to let them sting me again. And it's because they were stung, as the writer said, by a situation that the devil so especially designed to pollinate their hearts and souls with bitterness and unforgiveness. You're stung your relationship with man. And what I've found is very interesting. We can get hurt by one person 
and that bitterness and that, that root of bitterness begins to grow. And, and while human nature says, if you hurt me, I don't like you, but what happens is bitterness is never confined to just this relationship or lack thereof. Because bitter people begin to, to, to let that feeling go everywhere. I'm mad at you, but I don't want to be with you because he hurt me. I'm stung and I my relationship and pretty soon you find yourself in a in in this place where you you can't find joy and you can't find peace and here's the bad thing not only does that spread like a cancer from the relationship of the one that hurts you to those around you but I have watched it too many times in my life it begins to transcend towards the Lord and you never want a relationship with him because somebody hurt you Now you say, well, pastor, you don't know how bad I was hurt. Pastor, you don't know how, how bad I was abused. I get all of that. But I want to ask you a question. I want to, I want to, in fact, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to blow your mind. Some of you, that's not hard to do. For others, I'll have to work a little harder. So here's a question, and I want you to raise your hand if you, if you believe this. So question number one, do you want to follow unconditionally? His holy word and his commandments. Raise your hand. I'm going to say it again just so you're there. Do you believe, do you want to follow the commandments of the Lord and say, God, I want to follow every one of them? Here's the second one. Do you really believe his word? All right. I'm not going to trick you. I'm not going to read something from one of Job's friends that's a, the wrong thing to say. I'm not going to trick you. I'm talking about God's commandments. Are you ready? Here's what it says. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. Did you catch it? Blessed are those that God comes in, makes them born again, and makes everything in their life all hunky-dory, right? That's what it said, correct? No. Blessed are the ones who make the peace. I'm here to tell you today, God already did a work in your life when he gave peace between you and him, but then he steps back and he says, I done bridged the gap between God and man. Brandon Buford, you're going to have to bridge the gap between Brandon and man. You're going to have to do the work. I saved you. I loved you. I gave you my spirit. And it's not enough for you to say, God, fix them. No, you're going to be the peacemaker. He says, I mean, we, we read it already uh, 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 there in Hebrews. It says, strive for peace, work for peace. The emphasis is on what I'm doing for peace. This morning I preached about the links that God goes for us in bridging the gap that Ken's that sin caused and we're at war with God and, 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 and yet he made peace with us but I'm going to say this if you and God are not at peace then you'll never be able to find peace with yourself and man so if you and God aren't right anything I say tonight is not really going to help you but again I made I, I used this illustration at the memorial service and I used this illustration this morning I'm going to use it again tonight it's like when you begin to pull at the thread of a sweater 
and you begin to pull it and the more you pull the more something unravels I'm telling you if you want to really start walking in the presence of God you're going to have to be willing to pull some things that are going to get deep into some areas of your life that you hadn't thought about and you're going to have to if you will expose your life to the Lord and say God I need you to help me I want you to stop understanding the peace of God as just a way that God helps you deal with the hard times in your life that's a disservice to the word of God it's not just when you're going through a, 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 a trying time that God pats you on the back and gives you a good hug and says I love you son I love your daughter although those times happen that's not what the peace of God wants to ultimately do in your life the peace of God says I'm going to make you peace I'm going to make peace between God and man and then I'm going to lead you to make peace with man around you and make peace with yourselves. So I want to read to you a few things. And I want you to think about them. And I want you to understand. Because bitterness tends to be so prevalent in our hearts and in our minds. And bitterness and hurt and 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 all of that, it 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 drives who we are and what we are. Now listen to me very carefully. I, I'm well aware of, of, of hurt and pain and abuse. I, I get it. I, I've sat and talked to people whose stories would, would curl your hair. But here's where I'm getting at. <clears throat> if you let those circumstances rob you of the joy that God wants to give you in His Spirit, then you are denying His I had a person look at me and say, Pastor, I'm, and, 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 and nobody here, here tonight, not even anybody that was here this morning, I pastored 10 years. That's a lot of people that's come through the church, Sister Sorrell. So I now, I guess, become the pastor that I can tell stories and no one knows who I'm talking about. Sometimes I hear a pastor tell a story at a conference or something. I'm like, man, do you think there are people at home are going, is he talking about me? But I had a person one time look at me and says, and says I'm so broken, God can't even heal me. I said, whoa, 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 stop. You're telling me that your situation is too big for God to handle? You're telling me your brokenness is so big, it's bigger than the God of the creation? No. But I'm going back to the, <clears throat> if I punch you in the face and I say I'm sorry, you're commanded to forgive. Seven times, but I, I'd like to tell you that even God doesn't let it said it seven times. Remember that whole verse that says seven times 70? 490 times for one instance? That'd be a lot of punches. But God says, I'm trying to say that it starts with you. In fact, I would tell you that even if somebody doesn't ever ask forgiveness, you don't have to go love them. You don't have to go hang with them. You can stay away from them. You, you, you can say, I don't want to have anything to do with you. I'm okay with all of that. But that, that, that healing and those relationships starts with you. Blessed are the peacemakers. So watch this, Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
Now, these are some, these are these, these verses in the Bible that when you read the Bible and you're just kind of casually reading it, they, they just hit so fast you don't let them soak in. So I'm going to be purposely, and I'm, I've got nine pages of notes, I believe, and I'm on page seven. So we're almost done. So I'm going to go a little slow for a moment because I want you to hear what it says. Outdo each other in showing honor. I'll just go on. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I can do that. Bless those who persecute you. Seriously? Lord, you're going to have to increase my faith. Bless and don't curse them. See, it's one thing to say love them with brotherly love because the Bible has a lot to say about loving the church people. You know, if, if, if you're of the same Father, the Holy Spirit, if you've been filled with this whole, with the Spirit and you, you know, we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we ought to get along, right? You know what I mean? So it's one thing to say, well, you got to love the church, but then it says bless them that persecute you. You know what the word blessing means? It means to invoke a blessing on them. Are you ready? Someone hurts you and, and, and you say, God, would you touch them? Someone steals some money from you and you say, Lord, would you bless their finances? Now you're looking at me the way I look at preachers when they preach this stuff to me. So I get it. You're saying, yeah, right. That's really cheesy. No, it's not. It's Bible. And if you'll ever learn to bless those that persecute you, you'll find that something begins to happen. Rejoice with those who rejoice. I could probably preach a whole message just about those that don't like to rejoice with those that rejoice. Sister Wade, can I, can I just, I, I should ask your permission for this, but Sister Julie, sorry, Sister Julie, Sister Wade's right here. This is Sister Julie, I apologize. Sister Julie, one of the most incredible things, you, you have, 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 uh, uh, shown this verse because there was a moment in your life when you were desperately in need of a job you, you, you would come to every prayer meeting and say Lord I need a job I need God to bless me and, and we'd have other people during that time that would suddenly lose their job and like three weeks later God would give them a job and it had been months but I watched you go up to them and say congratulations on your job I'm glad God blessed you because you understood rejoice with them that rejoice weep with them that weep Sometimes we get these two backwards. We weep when someone else is rejoicing and we get all excited when somebody goes through a hard time. But weep with them that weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise on your own, in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. Don't, don't get revenge but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, as so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And if you live in peace, the God of love and peace will be with you. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 through 12. I want you to see it. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8 through 12. It gives the, the, the first verse of that. Gives a bunch of, 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 of little words. And I'm going I'm to say them and then I'm going to explain them real quick. 1 Peter 3 and 8. It says, finally all of you have unity of mind. 
Be of one mind. Romans 12, 16, we just kind of uh, read it. Uh, Be of one mind, one to another. Mind not the high things, but condescend to men of the low estate. Don't be wise in your own conceits. It's the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. It says, have unity of mind. Have sympathy, compassion one for another. Have brotherly love. It's loving someone like they're your brother or your sister. It's having a tender heart. The King James uses the word be pitiful. And when I think of the word pitiful, I think it's pitiful. But it's not a bad word. The word means literally full of pity. Pity means a feeling of sorrow and compassion caused by the suffering and the misfortunes of others. It's compassion, it's condolence, it's sympathy, it's understanding. And I'm asking you, when's the last time you felt sorry for someone else's misfortune? Have a tender heart. Have a humble mind. Ephesians 4 and 2, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing one another in love. Don't repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. To this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive verse 10 and whoever desires to love life and see good days let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit let him turn away from evil and do good let him seek peace and pursue it it's one thing to want peace that's seeking peace I want peace it's a whole nother thing to do whatever it takes to go pursue and find peace blessed are the peace makers goes on to say well well I, I think I'm, I think you're getting the point about where I'm head, headed with finding peace with those around you it's hard to have peace within yourself if you don't have peace with those around you because our tendency tendency is this we tend to treat others as a reflection of how we treat ourselves and so the Bible says this Love your neighbor as yourself. I started by saying that we, we can't start by loving ourselves, patting our own backs. That, that gets out of order. You got to love your neighbor first as you love yourself. Love those around you, and it will find you'll find inner peace in your own life. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38 begins to talk about that it says I know the word the, you know the, the commandment was an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth but I say if anyone slaps you on the right cheek turn the other one if any man sues you and takes your coat your tunic let him have your cloak as well if anyone forces you to go one mile go two miles with him give to the one that begs from you don't refuse to the one who would borrow from you I know you've heard it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven Luke goes on to to tell a little bit more of that story I say unto you that here love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who abuse you and then it keeps going on and at the end of that in verse 38 it says give and it will be given unto you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will it be put on your lap for whatever measure you use it will be measured back to you 
I know that's a real good verse to give Brother Joey when you take up the offering. You could say, give and it shall be given unto you, but that's really, it has nothing to do with offerings. It has to do with how you show mercy and how you show forgiveness and how you show grace and how you show love. The measure that you measure out to others is the same measuring cup that God measures it back to you. If you give love and grace and forgiveness in a little thimble, then you better be willing for God to give his grace to you in a thimble. But if you give love and grace and mercy and long-suffering and peace in great big old 50-gallon drums and baptismal tanks full, then you better stand in the presence of God and be willing to let the deluge of God's grace and mercy hit you. The measure that you use is the measure he uses. I, I preached this, I believe it was I don't remember if it was Wednesday or Sunday, there's a lot happened since then. What's the greatest commandment? And the Lord said, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment and we spent a lot of time talking about that. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to let the musicians come. Luke chapter 10 tells the other side of that story. The lawyer stood up, put him to the test. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, what is written in the law? And the goat, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know, all that and your neighbor as yourself and Jesus said you have answered correctly do this and you will live and in Luke he records this and that lawyer desiring to justify himself said who is my neighbor if you tell me I gotta love my neighbor I want a, I want a ramification I, I want a, is it the one that lives right next to me that way I don't have to love the one that's like three houses down because they drive me crazy And so Jesus says, well, let me tell you something. Jesus replied, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, departed, leaving him half dead. <clears throat> I'd like to tell you today that as I begin to study this, something jumped out at me through other people's commentary. It seems that when Jesus told a parable or a story, he would always say, let me give you a parable, let me give you a story but he didn't do it here. And there's many commentators that say it's because this was a real thing that had happened. He wasn't trying to give you an Aesop's fable, some story that sounds great, but no one's ever done it. Instead, he was drawing from a, a thing that had really happened, and he was using a real example. And probably those around him had a working knowledge of this. And it's very interesting that it, it was not a Jewish man helping a Samaritan because they would, have, they would have said, well, obviously we would help a Samaritan. We're God's chosen people. We're the good guys. This was the opposite way. Here's the man laying in the middle of the street, beaten, stripped, half dead, and by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I don't want to have anything to do with him. He's broken. And then a little bit later, a Levite came, and when he came to the place, he, he passed by on the other side. He didn't have anything to do with it. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, and he poured on oil and wine, which was a medicinal type, uh, it has medicinal qualities, and he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii. Two denarii was, was two days' wages. 
Think about how much you make in two days. That's how much he spent. And he gave him to the innkeeper and he says, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, keep a record. I'll repay you when I come back. And Jesus looked at those people who were trying to find a loophole when it comes to peace with those around us. He said, now which of these proved to be a neighbor to the one who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer looked at Jesus in the eye and he said, it's the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do that likewise. Blessed are the peacemakers. One of the most incredible things about God's infilling of us with the Holy Ghost, the Bible says he gives us power. We love to talk about Acts 1, 1, 8, 1, 9. You'll get power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you'll be witnesses. We love to talk about that. Man, I get the Holy Ghost, I can preach a gospel. I get the Holy Ghost, I can sing like nobody's business. I get the Holy Ghost and I'm going to be incredible in my school. I get the Holy Ghost and I'll stop smoking. I'll get the Holy Ghost and he'll help me that. You get the Holy Ghost, you'll love those who persecute you. Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> I don't think you read that. No, no, you do. That's part of the new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away. All things become new. And if you'll learn to love your neighbor as yourself, maybe, just maybe, that loving your neighbor as yourself is tied pretty closely to the give and it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together, measure that you use. So maybe, maybe, when I don't love my neighbor, I'm really not loving myself. God says it's up to you. And if you'll have just a little bit of faith, if you'll say, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. If you'll say, God, I don't know how in the world I'm going to ever get past the hurt and the pain and the bitterness. I don't know how I'm going to do it. God says, that's okay. If you'll just acknowledge you need my help, I'll step in and I'll hold your hand and I'll walk you into a path of righteousness for my name's sake. And God will be with you. If you'll be at peace with God, he'll lead you to peace with man and peace with yourself. I want you to stand. I, I perfectly, and, and I understand the gravity of what I've preached. I, I, I'm not asking you to run the aisles. I'm not asking you to shout. These altars are open, but if you just want to sit right where you are, or if you want to stand and close your eyes, but I think God's word is spoken. It's touched on so many of our lives, and I think you need to let the Lord begin to move upon you right now. Would you let him talk to you? The word's talking. Now let his still small voice strengthen that word that you've been that you've received. Father, in the name of Jesus. It's only going to be by the power of your spirit, by the power of your word, that I'm going to ever get to where that the level is. Lord, that's a, that's a pretty high bar you've set, but I understand you've given me the ability. You've given me power. You said, blessed are the peacemakers, and so God, help me in my relationship with those around. Please, oh God. Help me to pull up the roots of bitterness that begin to grow deep. Lord, please don't let me get so bitter in my life that I become bitter with everyone around me and myself and even you. But God, let me, let me excise that. Let me, let me remove it until it can't grow anymore. And then Lord, help me to love as you've loved me. Because God, you've told me I should love my enemies. But you're not telling me something you haven't done your own self because you said... While we were yet enemies of God, he loved us and he gave his son for us. God, you showed us how.
now let me walk and let me follow you in Jesus' name.